Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Okay, so we continue our Sermon Sunday sessions into the Gospel of John. And we will find ourselves this hour in chapter 5, verses 50 through 47, titled, Case Number 7, The Christ versus the Jews, Power versus Pride. So in verses 30, 31, and 32, I quote, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. Christ has legal authority for judgment. He is God. He is love. He is a worker, and he has all power. His majesty ministers to the dead in order to give them life. He has the objective to resurrect those who hear and believe. And he will deliver his testimony with legal proceedings. Jesus has witnesses, his equality with the Father. Witnesses are in accordance to the law they knew very well. Right? The Father has written through His Spirit in regards to His Son. And the Scriptures are legal documents presented in this spiritual courtroom. These things Christ speaks in order to remain lawful before His brethren and to defend His integrity before the leadership, which indeed knew the law to their own selfish desires. Christ, knowing this deficit within them, continues with the case. And so, after the Father is brought in as a witness, and though no other source need be put on the stand, yet for the benefit of the crowd, John is brought forth in testimony. And that is where we find verses 33, 34, and 35. And we pay attention and we continue to uh, uh, find insight within the text as I quote, You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp 
that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Again, these proceedings move forward. The Jews and their leadership had sent their own witnesses to verify the authenticity or fraudulent nature of John the Baptist, right? Now, the Jews found John intriguing, no doubt. Of course, just as their persecution of the Christ, John became the recipient of their superficial faith. Their interest in John had an expiration date. And Christ knew that. He knew it. Nonetheless, John was the real deal, right? None greater born among men. And Christ, for the purpose of the hearing, revealed his wisdom in calling John as a witness. Of course, this making reference to chapter 1, verse 7 in which John is spoken as one who holds evidence, testimony, witness. So yet again, the testimony of Christ is sufficient for its origins are divine, not from men. It don't come from men. And because they are sourced from divine authority, they hold the message of salvation, right? The word of God spoken in real time. John the Baptist was entertained for a given period by those who ultimately rejected the truth. Yet still, John's evidence, oral and written, was admissible. Admissible in this spiritual courtroom in which witnesses are being brought forth in this trial. And it is lawful. Indeed. Verse 36. Yet another witness is brought forth to this court. I quote, But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, that the Father has sent me. Jesus remains focused on the trial, solidifying his innocence from the slander and purposely fulfilling his ministry. And so now he further proceeds with yet another witness, his works. His works, signs. In other words, signs. Signs pointing to something greater than mankind had to offer, right? No man could do as he could, which was a display of supernatural activity. I mean, Nicodemus himself, a Pharisee, leader of the Jews, said such in chapter 3, verse 2. In other words, he's telling them to take a look at his resume, right? Take a look at my resume. He's capable of raising the dead, controlling the weather, Casting out demons, making whole the lame, curing the sick, and having such depth of understanding within the most secret hidden thoughts of mankind that it is an objective, absolute demonstration of God's presence on earth. 
is simply ungetoverable. His works are most certainly the actions of witness to his case in this spiritual courtroom, in a lawful setting, though, again, among the corrupt, yet still, Christ keeps his integrity and proceeds. And this witness is always, is as always, in cooperation with the Father, and in there we reveal three in one, don't we? See how they are one as they speak in this trial? That is truly fascinating to me to see this revealed in such a way. We continue, verse 37 and 38, I quote, as the Father is brought forth in witness. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe him whom he sent. Again, who is he addressing? Verse 18. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, according to their traditions, that is, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so their accusations of blasphemy, their accusations of violation of, their, of the law is being certainly exposed as fraudulent, as misguided at best or at worst. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe him whom he sent. The trial continues and the father is brought to testify. And his testimony is a damning one, isn't it? His testimony provides evidence proving these Jews were lost. For God through his word was not present within them. What should be commonly understood in our generation as the most revealing court case in our history? Believers, the house of Israel, the Jews, and their leaders, seen as scholars, bastions of scriptural charm, individuals who are born within the covenant of the law, Abrahamic lineage and ancestry, are nothing more than self-righteous hypocrites, frauds. And now through verse 39... And following to verse 47, we quote, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men as they certainly were rebuked in doing so in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And we recognize how Christ exposes their independent responsibility and accountability in the unwilling. You cannot be unwilling if one has the right to be willing. And they did. 
They had free will to be willing. They chose to be unwilling. They sought the glory of men, the praise of men. We continue, verse 42, I quote, But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Verse 38, the word of God is not within them. Verse 42, the love of God is not within them. I have come in my Father's name, verse 43, and you do not receive me. If anyone comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? My friends, the trial reaches its closing testimony and arguments. These preachers were not faithful to God. Their biblical studies was utilized as an end in themselves. And Christ brings in the scriptures as witness against them. The very words they would know and teach are the very words which condemned their souls. They search the very book which now exposes their eternal demise. Friends, it's the same this day. There are preachers and leaders in local churches who search, read, and teach the Bible, but do not have the words within them. They don't know the love of God. They are indeed corrupt and seek their own preeminence exalting themselves for control and divisive agendas. They are professional liars and manipulators. And most of these will never seek to soften their hearts from the sin of pride. These kinds are loyal to their own factions, their own schools of thought, and their own leaderships, not Christ. They flatter the weak, they embolden the delinquent, and they devour the idle. We don't need to condemn these types. The very book they slander the innocent with is the very witness that will judge them on that day. John chapter 12 verse 48 makes that very clear. And for those of us, Samaritans, right? Foreigners, Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, pagans and heathens, Canadians, <laughs> who humbly seek the truth as honest jurors, we can deliberate and know that the Christ is God. And he has proven his case. We can not only search, read, study, believe, and practice, having his love uh, and word within us, we can discern those who don't by their fruits. Again, we visit chapter 5, verse 24, 
It is his word we must hear and believe if we are to become eligible for the new birth out of water and the spirit, John 3, 5. Added into his kingdom, Acts 2, 41 and Acts 2, 47. For the forgiveness of sins, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, Romans, 3, uh, Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians 3, 27, Colossians 2, 12, 1 Peter 3, 21, and so on and so on. This spiritual courtroom taking place in which is witnessed and recorded and penned by the Holy Spirit, governed by God, this text we read together as the East Coast Church of Christ in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. We have great insight through the author's intent for our minds this day, recognizing that Christ is most certainly equal to the Father. They are one. And he brings the evidence necessary for the benefit of mankind through his Father, through John, through the written word, and through the works of his miraculous powers, which confirmed him as being God on earth. And these who were among him, of his own kind and people, family, neglected and rejected him. Their hearts were not right. They weren't paying attention to the substance of evidence being revealed. They were blinded by pride and self-righteousness, hypocrisy. They only sought to bear false witness against him, slander him, accuse him of all sorts of things, of being a liar, a blasphemer, a deceiver, a thief, the devil. They were indeed guilty of what modern psychologists would say, gaslighting and projecting. It is mind-numbing. It will have you question your own sanity to see these guilty accuse the innocent of the very things that damn their own souls. Look at the evidence provided. These words are provided for salvation. They thought it was within themselves. It wasn't within themselves. They needed to become poor in spirit, to be humbled and receive the word. That's why Christ most specifically says in verse 24 again, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears whose word? My word. And what is his word providing? Words of salvation, instruction, guidance, witness, testimony, life. His word can take the dead and resurrect the dead into life. Born out of water and the Spirit. We go to the tomb of our Lord and Master, and therein we are immersed to walk a newness of life within Him. If only they would have been willing to see these things. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's speaking to them, these religious leaders. 
the equivalent of saying Christians and gospel preachers behind the pulpits of local congregations today, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is, in, it is within those very words that speak of me. I mean, imagine the scandal, the controversy, the breaking news. The biggest case known to mankind is currently being revealed and exposed. These people for centuries loyalist to these religious leaders. These are our brethren, brothers, believers, the house of Israel. This is Jerusalem. And this man from Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, is saying that these here are frauds? That they are not in fellowship with God? They are the kingdom of God. They are the people of God, the sons of the kingdom. How can they be told such things as, you do not have his word abiding in you. You do not have the love of God in yourselves. You do not believe his writings. Sadly, we have the same among our own kind who are corrupt, don't we? We know we've witnessed them. They're hardened by pride. Christ was trying to get the people to focus on his word, to live and abide within them. Love. Love. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is them that testify about me. Christ in no way, shape, or form is diminishing the power of his word. He's speaking it through the perspective of these prideful brethren who are seeking it for their own selfish desires. And you are unwilling, he says. They're unwilling. To be unwilling means you have the opportunity to be willing. And they did. They were independently accountable and had the intellectual capability of understanding the law they were born into, which spoke of the coming Messiah. They would go to Moses for authority. Moses' authority spoke of the coming Christ. A spiritual courtroom. And we are wise to follow the example of our Lord and Master. We have the truth. We have nothing to fear. And it is true that the evidence in our witnesses and the things we would have to share would not be seen before the swine. And so we don't cast the pearls. But there are some in the crowd who will listen. Many must have been pierced at this information. I know you, he says, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Well, how can that be? These were scholars. These were learned men. These were lawyers, chief priests. These men lived and breathed and meditated and read and taught and preached the law, the word of God, the Bible. So you see, don't you? It's more than just reading. It's more than just teaching. 
it has to live within our hearts. Paul would tell his brethren in Corinth, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can, be an ev you can evangelize, you can be benevolent, you can do everything you want to. But if it don't have love, it's just a noisy gong. It makes a lot of noise. It certainly takes attention to itself, but it don't produce anything. It don't produce anything. And these indeed are noisy gongs. Paul was wise to instruct us to withdraw, to mark these sorts. No, for you and I, Gentiles, we humbly seek the truth as honest jurors, don't we? And because we do, the opportunity for the new birth is made available to us. And we remain focused and we remain positive. We walk the narrow gate. Though it is filled with sacrifice, ups and downs, we certainly seek to reach the faithless, renew the fallen, and reinforce the faithful. And through the word of God, which can deliver one from death into life, we find purpose, fulfillment, strength, courage. To hear these words, to believe these words, and to obey these words. It's quite powerful. Quite powerful indeed. And that will conclude chapter 5 in our Sermon Sunday sessions. And if anyone seeks to have the Word and love of God within them, this day is your day of deliverance. You can contact us for studies and be added to our local assembly. It's now time for us to sing a song of invitation. Thank you. Oh.